This is mission.org. This is Marketing Trends, your number one source for exclusive interviews with chief marketing officers and executive marketing leaders in the Fortune 1000 and beyond. This is Jeremy Bergeron, and I interview, collaborate, and partner with world-class CMOs and marketing leaders across industries. Your content is at the heart of what you do. It connects your company to others, teaches them, guides them, and inspires them. But creating, managing, and editing content at scale is often very chaotic and difficult. Empower your content teams with Brightspot Content Management System, made specifically for marketers and corporate communications leaders. No more waiting for a developer to have to piece things together. Put the power to create and deliver powerful yet complex digital experiences into the hands of your marketers with a comprehensive suite of ready-to-use tools and functionality. Bring a bright spot to your tech stack, your customers, your team, with the Brightspot content management system. Visit brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to learn more. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Marketing Trends. I'm your host, Jeremy Bergeron. I'm super stoked, as always, because I get to talk to the most ridiculously brilliant marketing leaders on the planet. Today, guess what? We have another one, Jenna Flateman Posner. Let me tell you a little bit about this amazing human being. She is the chief digital officer at Snipes. If you don't know, you need to know, snipesusa.com. Uh, she is, let me just give you a little background. We'll get into some of this stuff on the, on the show, but Jenna was a senior account executive for the New York press. She was an interactive developmental executive at Getty images. Shout out to Getty. Um, she also has this really cool professional rugby athlete thing going on. She played rugby for the USA rugby team. Uh, then went through some really cool companies, went through a few acquisitions, which I also want to get into. She was uh, manager and mid-Atlantic director of sales at Level Up. She was then the VP of strategy for Curulate, VP of strategic partnership and SVP of strategy at Clutch. There's a lot more. Um, she also serves on the board of governors for the Wesleyan University Rugby Division. I don't know how she has time for that one, <laughs> but she is here with us in the virtual studio, Jenna I already think you're dope. Thank you for being here. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm psyched to be here. Gosh, look, I mean, your background's dope. You're up to cool stuff. You're working at a really cool brand for the audience that may not know about Snipes and you know the company and what you do. Break it down for us. Describe Snipes and describe your role as chief digital officer. Sure. Yeah, no problem. Um, so Snipes is a global sneaker and streetwear company. We were founded in Germany in 1998, and we've been live and thriving in multiple countries in Europe since then. Um, about seven years ago, the Dijkman Group, which is the fourth largest footwear holding company on the planet, acquired Snipes, but kept our CEO in charge, which is awesome, Sven Voth. It was always his dream to come to the US, and by way of acquisition in early 2019, he was successful at doing that. So we we acquired a business uh, called Kicks USA out of Philadelphia, 64 location regional chain in early 2019. And then we were kind of off to the races. So about six months after that, we acquired Mr. Allen's out of Detroit. At the end of last year, we acquired Jimmy Jazz, uh, which kind of shoehorns from the Midwest down the East Coast into Texas. 
Uh, and then about six days after that, we acquired Expressions, which gave us a good stronghold in the Boston area and New England. So seemingly overnight, we've tripled our store count, 10x our digital revenue over the past three years. And we're just, uh, we're wild. So we're, yeah, we sell hype sneakers and streetwear, Nike, Jordan, Puma, Adi, you name it. That's, uh, that's, that's our game. That's amazing. I mean, this this is it's such an interesting business. I mean, ridiculously popular market share in the, as you said, kind of global sneaker, you know, streetwear retailer brand. And Snipes is also aligned with some of the world's like biggest musical artists, extreme yeah. sports athletes, <laughs> online influencers. You may have heard of a few. Um, there's just some awesome things that you're up to with the brand. I want to ask you about this because you went through a lot of acquisitions. I mean, Level Up was acquired by Grubhub. Yep. Curalate was acquired by Bizarre Voice. Radius was acquired by Fiserv. And now Snipes has acquired at least three companies, if not more, since you've joined. What has that done to shape your perspective as like a marketer <laughs> and marketing leader yeah. going through so many acquisitions and then being a part of three yourself now? Yeah. So, so what I'll say is being acquired and acquiring are two completely different situations. Um, so, you know, when you're on the retail tech side, which is where I started my career, um, that's always the goal, right? That big carrot at the end. That's why you wear 37 different hats. It's why you work all night. It's why you're drunk on this startup Kool-Aid because you know, you're all trying to build something meaningful and ultimately have a substantial exit that we can all benefit from. On the retail side, when you're acquiring businesses, it's much different. So you're dealing with actually ingesting and digesting businesses. And in our case, we're really buying these store footprints and buying these allocations that can get us access to more product and help increase our expansion across the country. So those acquisitions are very different, um, trying to understand what parts of the business are valuable, what we want to maintain, what we want to migrate, what we want to move on from, everything from people to process to technology. I mean, it's it's a beast. Um, so doing that so many times over the past three and a half, four years, it's certainly part of our strategy. It's how we're kind of chipping away at the country and finding our way west. Um, I don't anticipate it stopping, <laughs> but it's definitely just a, a part of who we are and, and how we're going to continue to grow. What do the acquisitions do for you, like to inform your strategy, you know, going to market and growing bigger and, you know, acquiring all these stores? Like, what does it do for culture at Snipes? And then what does it do just for your overall strategy as you think about growing more market share? Yeah, that's so interesting. It's a great question. Um, so organic store growth is challenging. Um, finding the right locations, getting approval from our vendors to open new doors. It's a process and it takes a lot longer um, versus acquiring a smaller chain that can get us a foothold in a, in a market where we don't currently uh, where we currently don't have one, we can acquire into these physical locations that can allow us to move a lot quicker. So what could have been, you know, a multi-year process to get 20 to 25 stores out in market, boom, we can acquire. And really the, the process there is making sure that it's got the right product inside and it's got the right sign on the front of the store. So, you know, that, that from a physical strategy perspective is one, you know, we're lucky enough to have the support and ownership of an organization that can fund those acquisitions. Not every company is in that position. From a digital perspective, the opportunity for migration and growth through those acquisitions is different. Um, it's definitely a, a much different strategy and it's a lot more, I can't say a lot more challenging, but I, I'll say the challenge is very different. I'll kind of explain, here's the example. So if we acquire a company and you've got a customer base that frequents that store, what's going to happen eventually is they're going to come to that store one day and it's not going to have a Jimmy Jazz on the front anymore. It's going to have a Snipes. And when they look inside, it's going to look a lot nicer and it's going to have a lot 
more product, better product, and they're going to have a better customer experience. They don't have to change their behavior. They don't have to walk a block away, right? They get to still walk their normal path, come to a store that's going to serve them more effectively. Now, with us, what we're being asked to do is maintain the value of that store, but we got to burn ours down to the ground, right? We got to get rid of jimmyjazz.com and we've got to tell people to walk that extra block by a footlocker or a finish line and not walk in, right? So that that strategy is very different. Um, the benefit is that it's on our own timeline and we can employ the best practices that we think are going to move the needle. But I would say with Jimmy Jazz, with that acquisition, they were larger than us when we acquired them, right? And so finding a way to maintain that equity, value, authority, that customer base through that migration has been a huge challenge. And we've been shockingly successful at it. Mm. Uh, Jimmy Jazz still exists. But as we look at the percent to total digital revenue, uh, we've more than flipped uh, since we've acquired them, uh, which has been wow. very, very cool. So we're close. I think we're, we're hoping to shut the site down uh, kind of Q1, Q2 of next year. Wow. What have you learned with customer experience, like seeing how customers are experiencing these brands right? prior to acquisition? You also have this amazing experience that people have with Snipes when they interact with your brand. Are you learning things about customer experience and how these brands have doubled down in ways that maybe Snipes has not? Or is it like, no, we're going to overlay the, the customer experience strategy because like Snipes is winning. Let's just keep going. Like, what is that balance like? Yeah, no, of course. I mean, think about what a lucky, unbelievable opportunity it is to acquire a business that's bigger than yours and get full access to all of the data, all the wins, all the challenges, all the learnings. Um, you know, for us, when we're looking at our competitors, there's so much we don't know, but we had the opportunity to acquire one and look behind the curtain and see what's working and what's not. Clean all those best practices take them and then institute our own in order to be ultimately be a better together combined entity. Yeah, absolutely. We've learned, we've learned good and bad out of these acquisitions. Um, and I think it's a really big differentiator and a really big uh, opportunity for us to, to, you know, keep, keep springboarding the business and keep growing. Are you also assuming other marketing folks, like is their marketing team growing bigger and bigger with these acquisitions or how does that, how does that work? Oh, absolutely. With any acquisition, yeah. you're evaluating everything, whether it's process, it's tech, it's people. Mm -hmm. um, and we've had a number, obviously, uh, of resources, technologies, uh, processes that we've retained through those acquisitions. Okay. So what, in your opinion, is Snipe's like, biggest brand differentiator in a really crowded streetwear market? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it's, it's interesting. Pre-pandemic, um, if you asked our CEO, Sven Voth, who Snipes is, you know, what kind of company is Snipes? His, his response was always, and still is always, we're a marketing and entertainment company that happens to sell shoes. So pre-pandemic in Europe, we were doing something like 288 events a year in Europe. Wow. So whether if it was sponsored events, whether it was dance competitions, um, sponsoring, you know, e-gamers or... Um, we were in dance, we were in skate, we're in hip hop, we're in, right? Just finding a way to connect with these really super niche markets. Um, that is our differentiator in Europe. And when we came to the US, you know, what was so beautiful about that transition is that we had all this like this roadmap for success that we could take into the US market, but we also had the autonomy to determine what was right for us, right? What, what does this American market need that might be different than the European market? So obviously engaging with those niches like skate, like dance, like hip hop, like basketball. Um, those will obviously always remain key pillars to who we are as a marketing organization. But through the lens of, of 
the pandemic through the lens of civil unrest, um, our, you know, who we are politically in the U.S. right now, gave us a really unique opportunity to reimagine and redetermine how did we really want to engage with our customers, right? Who did we want to engage with and how did we want to engage with them? And what it translated into, I'm going to get to the answer to your question, which is what's your biggest <laughs> differentiator in market? Um, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Um, is, is a commitment to our community. Mm. Recognizing that we have thousands of employees that work in our stores and that also live around our stores. And one of our key, um, you know, we have something called the CARTA, which is basically like our mission. Um, things like be authentic as f- uh, get done. Uh, one of them is ear to the streets, right? Making sure that we understand who our community is, who our consumers are, um, and not just the people that walk into our stores, but the people that live around our stores and what the communities around our stores really need. And through this lens of, of COVID and all the other political things that were going on in this country, we decided to double down and really lean into the community. And we became incredibly philanthropic. Mm. Um, things like opening up, um, you know, tech community centers in every one of our major markets, things like giving away a thousand turkeys on Thanksgiving, things like revitalizing basketball courts and community gardens, and just really finding ways to give back to the people that not only frequent our store, but live in the communities around them. It's stuffed backpacks on back to school and free haircuts. It's, you know, and this is something that has really put us on the map and it wasn't really the intent. It's just what was needed during this time. And we had the means and interest in doing it. And so a whole part of our marketing team has now pivoted and and turned off away, um, not away from brand marketing, but have recognized that this community marketing is our brand marketing. Mm. And um, it's gotten a lot of attention, uh, not just, you know, from press, not just from celebrities, but from our vendors and from our community members. And it's feels so good, just feels so good to be doing that. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. So that's awesome. I, I know that that will, that will undoubtedly to me, like it's like gravity in, in philanthropy. It's like, it's like, it's you invest in the community, you invest in things like that. It's like, it's going to result in return on investment. Like the just thing just works out. We had a brand in here a couple of weeks ago, Kendra Scott, you know, it's a jewelry mm-hmm. brand that started in yeah. Austin. I mean, and just the, I was, as I was interviewing their head of brand, like I realized that the through line and what they made or the bet they placed early on was this idea of the same thing. It's like, where can we give back? How do we give back in real meaningful ways with our community at scale? And it's like, no wonder the brand continues to grow. It's like, I think it's huge. And I love that you guys have also done that. That's so cool. Yeah. And I, I think what's so cool about it too is, so Kendra Scott, every year I'm getting my wife a piece, at least one, maybe two, maybe three. It's like, she loves it. It's a no brainer. It's always a win. That's awesome. Um, I didn't know that. I didn't know that about them. And I think, um, I think that's great. And I think we're in a very similar situation where it's not a marketing play, right? It's not about telling the world that you're doing this. It's not about leveraging opportunities to tout this work in order to drive sales. I think to your point, when you do the right thing, when you put the right thing out there, the growth is going to come, the right thing is going to come back. So, you know, it sounds to me much like Kendra Scott, we're not doing it for press. We're not doing it for attention. We're just doing it for the community. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's been, it's been really, really, really good. Wow. So let's think, think about this kind of balance because do you, do you feel do you feel brands like Snipes and the, and the brands that are affiliated with it 
are really driving today's buyer preferences? Or is a brand like Snipes tasked with keeping ahead of trends and observing in these popular culture shifts? Yeah, it's a, it's a fun question. Um, I think we have the benefit, uh, we're a brand of brands, right? So we, we do sell our own apparel and accessories. We absolutely are pushing the boundaries on our own brands for sure. Um, but the hype demand, I mean, this hype selling, this, you know, on any given day, having 200,000 people show up for a thousand pairs of shoes, like it's real. Um, and that's not driven by us. Okay. That's driven by Jordan. It's driven by Nike. You know, it's driven by these vendors that have this rich legacy of knowing what consumers want uh, and when they want it. Um, so we have the benefit of riding that wave. Now, that being said, you know, there's a huge opportunity for us to translate that product into the market. And that's really where marketing plays well, right? That's where um, we get to show lifestyle, we get to dictate lifestyle, um, and we get to leverage our relationships with the DJ Khaled's of the world um, in order to tie together kind of the, the cultural pillar, right, that comes along with hip hop as an example, um, and the cultural connection and relationship between the product. And we kind of get to sit in between that and create content and do storytelling um, that really exemplifies that and shows the market that we are a part of that. Are we driving that? I don't know. I think we're facilitating it, right? I think we're enhancing it. I think we're championing it. And yeah, I mean, I think we're, and we're, we're driving it through the lens of marketing. You talked about this idea of hype selling, which is, is huge in the world that you're in. This idea of kind of low quantity, high demand, um, super, super interesting space. What are what have you learned about hype selling? What are you learning about hype selling in 2022, wrapping up the year? Uh, is there a science and an art to this thing? I mean, as a marketing leader, what are you noticing with this whole, this category of hype selling? Do we have another hour? <laughs> <laughs> we could, um, we could. <laughs> yeah, it, it is, it's fascinating. It's probably one of the favorite parts, one of my favorite parts of my job, um, because it's ever changing, it's evolving. And it's, you're at war with technologists, right? So you've got these kids that are building these bots. Um, the whole value here for those that don't understand this whole hype sneaker situation is that many of these shoes have aftermarket value. So they buy it for MSRP, which is what we sell it at. They can then go resell it and make a buck on the back end by selling it on the gray market, on a GOAT or a StockX. And so this technology has been created to try to capture and purchase legitimately at full price as many of these uh, units as humanly possible because they can, for every unit they get, you know, they have margin on each one of those on the back end. Now, we, like Nike, align with them on this concept of equality. Uh, don't like the fact that consumers are coming in with bots and trying to capture all of this product. We want to get the product in the hands of real consumers. And so we're at war, right? We're at this kind of like tech battle trying to protect our product. Um, and oftentimes I'm challenged, right? When I'm having conversations like this, where they're like, why? Like, who cares? The money's green. You're selling through. What's the problem? The problem is that I'm not getting the customer data. And I'll explain. So if I sell that product to you, then I can know who you are. I can have all your contact information. I can get your opt-ins. And I can upsell, cross-sell you over time. I can build an LTV with you because I've sold this shoe to you. You are also more likely to come back to me because you hit on my site and you got a great pair of shoes that you're really proud to wear, right? Now, if the bots come in and they come and capitalize on all of your units, yes, I'm getting paid in the moment, but I'm losing all of that long-term upside because you know who's getting the customer data? It's StockX, it's GOAT. They're right. selling to the end consumer, not me. 
And so it inhibits my ability to grow the business, better serve my existing customer base, and ultimately have the trust that I'm going to be able to control and dictate you know, who is able to get access to this product. And so it's, it's an incredibly important discipline that we've built over time. Uh, we're very good at it. Uh, we've got a big, long stack of text daisy chain all the way from the first time someone tries to enter the site all the way down to the pre-auth of the transaction mm. um, that tries to deter multiple units getting out the door to a single consumer. And it's a lot of fun because it changes all the time. So they find a way yeah. in, we block them out, we make some changes, they can't get in. Um, it's it's We nerd out and watch and fist pump as we watch people complain about not being able to abuse snipes. It's It's a blast. Wow, I didn't realize how much of that would be. Huge. Yeah, that's that, that's got to be a top of mind. Yeah, because that and with the speed, the velocity of some of this tech, and you have to always be looking over your shoulder in some ways and being prepared to yeah to yeah to combat that. And wow, yep. that's such an interesting interesting space. Well, and the stability issues alone, right? I mean, if you've got sixteen mm. you know million uh, transaction attempts in a second. You know, you've got to have tech that can <laughs> manage that. Right. So it it gets really intense really fast. Um, what I will say is, you know, we were doing deployments this year, I mean, this week, as recently as as uh, Thursday. You know, most folks are in code freeze at this point, but we're dealing with high volume, high velocity selling three times a week. Um, so we actually don't go into code freeze because why? I mean, it's not, you know, Black Friday is no more vulnerable than any other day. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, I, we do have the benefit of being able to continue to innovate and evolve over the course of the year. And um, we don't really adhere to those crazy deadlines. You mentioned Black Friday. I was just curious how how was that experience for for Snipes? And I've talked to a few different retail brands who were saying kind of different things. Some were saying that people were moving, they were shopping earlier and buying earlier and move and yeah. like kind of getting ready for Christmas in you know in October. Yeah. Um, and gearing up and and some of the brands were positioning themselves for Cyber Monday and Black Friday in little in different ways because of the economic headwinds. I'm just curious about lessons and experience that you had going through that. Yeah, I'll say since I've been at Snipes, we've had the benefit of having a really good inventory position, um, meaning we didn't have to get promotional. We kind of bought right. The pandemic changed that a little bit. Um, Things got a little funky from a supply chain perspective. And so we had some points of the year where we were low in inventory. Other parts of the year were very high in inventory. Uh, The benefit of being high in inventory is that we were able to get more promotional. So I got to play, right? I got to have some fun with with markdowns and promotions, limited time offers, things like that. Um, As we look into next year, we're really leaning into loyalty, trying to get a more uh, rigid, more published program so customers can actually be incentivized to identify themselves where today they just do because they want to get an e-receipt or maybe they want to get some promotions. But as we're taking that leap into loyalty, having a really condensed period of time with offers and givebacks, and uh, we're able to test and learn a lot. man, it drove the needle. And to your point, it, it did start early, but it, for us, it didn't wane. It just kind of keeps, keeps going. Okay. So it's been really successful. Um, we've had a really great Q4 so far and we don't we don't really see it slowing down. It's been, it's been really good. I mean, I saw I saw Cyber Monday still still we still happening today. I saw some ridiculous stuff are on the site right now. Yeah. Uh, which I'm normally I'm not normally gonna hype up the site to our listeners, but I'm just saying <laughs> do not buy the Air Jordan one low OGs. I'm buying those. Uh, in fact I've got a tab I've got a tab open. It's a twelve and a half, it's a twelve and a half Jenna 
uh, that I literally have open right now. When we're done, I'm buying those and they're trending and it's a final sale. So you should just do it I just, now. I got, you can like do a transaction do, on the podcast. Like let's that like, would be that'd be some sort of that milestone, would, right? That would be great. It would be, it would be. Okay, I'm gonna leave the tab open. Let's see, let's see if we can get there. Right. Um, right, cool. That's fantastic. Yeah. So look, you, you've had some, just some, epic campaigns and activations and digital experiences, you know, since working with this brand, I want to key in on DJ Khaled, but I also just want to open it up to like, what are some of the campaigns and experiences you've provided that stand out, right? When compared to competitors or other brands? Yeah. Um, I, I, I see a ton of value in our physical store activations. You know, I think, I don't think you'll hear a lot of digital executives really talk about that. Um, so it's kind of funny. Um, you know, we actually did this dunk museum uh, with an, our opening for our Eastern Park location where we actually had this collector come in and we had you know security for like five straight days to guard the store. Um, we had, you know, every ridiculously hype old school dunk you can imagine. Um, That's cool. So that was pretty amazing. I think the whole point is we're trying to create these unique experiences and we're trying to really champion the culture, drive awareness around our stores and our, our digital environments. And you know, as a digital executive, I am fully dedicated to supporting our physical store footprint. Everything that we're doing right now is dedicated to this concept of omnichannel or unified commerce and the benefit of engaging and, and pulling those two historically disparate channels together is that when customers shop cross-channel, they buy more and they come back more often. And so a, a big part of the marketing initiatives that I champion are the ones that are that really do cross the line between physical and digital. And our, our brand marketing team does an incredible job of creating content that reflects that. So everything from SMS scavenger hunts to digital installations uh, on the streets in Brooklyn, um, you know, trying to really find a way to blur the lines between physical and digital. Um, everybody's really aligned and dedicated to it. And we're reaping the benefits. Wow. Yeah. And then can you mention what it's like to collab with DJ Khaled? What's happening with that? <laughs> I can't speak to what it's like to collab with him directly, um, but we've done a lot of really interesting things with him. Um, I would say my biggest collaboration with him was a big SMS uh, contest okay. where we actually gave away, um, it was like a text to win and you give away signed, we had like four pairs of Jordan 4s that he signed. Um, and we did a little piece with him where, uh, you know, we went down to Miami and filmed him in his home, uh, you know, building, it was basically like in a mock store. It was really funny. And, you know, he's just, he's so okay. funny, you know, we give him a script and he rarely reads it. Um, and <laughs> that's right, his own right. thing, you know, but, uh, no, he's an incredible partner and, uh, a, an incredible champion and advocate, uh, and we have a lot more coming with him too, which is which is very exciting and will be really cool to announce. So that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, we've done a Snipes jingle with him. I mean, like he's you know yeah. been on the rooftop of our buildings in Brooklyn. I mean, he's just yeah, he's he's a really great partner and and does a lot of work for us. So so you mentioned Jordans, and I, and I just want I want to just because your your perspective on Jordans I, I value. It's not just someone who's saying, oh, it's a great brand and it's got legacy and, and it <laughs> is all those things, but you know. What is the deal with Jordans? Like, why? Why are they? Why is it just so, no. just so hot all the time? Like, it never goes away. And I'm a big fan. I'm just curious. Like, what have you noticed from your perspective and your position? Yeah. Like, what are your thoughts and opinions on that brand? Oh my God! It's kind of. I guess it's kind of like threefold. One, it's Michael Jordan. Let's remember this is rooted in the goat. He's like the. He's such an inspiration. He's unbelievable, right? So it's all. It all began around that magic, right? So every shoe is just kind of like 
just glittered with that magic, number one. Number two, the storytelling and that ties back to cultural events, to um, your favorite, you know, chicken shop, to like your fit. I mean, it's just the, the ties that these shoes kind of make to like your favorite flavor of Ben and Jerry's. You know, it's just like you, you've got all of these like amazing connections with these other, whether it's CPG or it's events or experiences or, you know, historic you know, historic milestones, um, the storytelling around these shoes are so great. And so your ability to connect with them is fantastic. Now, the third piece to this, which I think is so amazing, is how iconic they are. Not just because Jordan's associated with them, but the profiles and the styles of these shoes are so cyclical and generational that I have three dudes, right? I've got I got twin eight-year-olds and a three-year-old that I am buying shoes for that I wore when I was a kid. So I am like... You know, I'm just like all nostalgic and, you know, nerding out over buying this footwear for my own kids that I get to share that with them. And they're as excited about them as I was at that age. And I get to kind of relive that and love that. And man, they're just Nike, man, Jordan. They are just brilliant at the way that they're honoring the legacy of these shoes and just giving them life after life after life after life. It's beautiful science. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. You know, I will say that one thing that that I've been noticing, right? I've I've got this unique situation where I'm a I'm a retail tech vendor gone retailer, right? Uh-huh. And I have a unique perspective on technology's place in the retail environment. Ooh. How it gets there, how it's maintained and how it's managed. Okay. And I think that something I've been able to hone over the past few years is this concept of, of true retail partnership, like true retail partnership. And I've really been leaning into this recently to figure out like, is this actually something, like is this a thing that is underserved or is this a thing that executives are doing and I just don't know about it? But I can tell you from my experience on the tech side, typically what happens is you present this technology and it's purchased. And then you hand it off to somebody to install it. And then it gets implemented and you have a customer service rep who maintains it and reports on it. And the relationship just kind of ends there until renewal time, right? Maybe you'll have a couple upsell conversations, but then at renewal, you're kind of like, oh, this is why it's so valuable, resign. And then they resign and you go away mm -hmm. for another six months. Mm -hmm. And I think that the retail industry is missing, missing it. I think, I think we're missing an opportunity to truly partner with these tech vendors and reciprocate an actual relationship that extends beyond the contract. And really, I've been trying to do this more and more with the vendors that I work with and the vendors that I'm seeing success with, where I am doing podcasts with them. I am going to market with them. I am championing the work that we're doing and I'm being an advocate and an evangelist for them to help tell their story and market so other retailers can buy the good stuff, but so I can also support that vendor and get more value out of it. Like the more value I bring to them, the better access to product I'm going to get, the more roadmap influence I'm going to have to serve my own needs, the more negotiating power I'm going to have at the end of the contract, right? When it comes time for renewal. Um, and ultimately the better retail executive I'm going to be because my tech's going to be working for me more effectively. So I don't know if that's interesting, but I've been testing it out and spending a lot of my time sitting on client advisory boards and giving back to these vendors. And it's been, it's been paying off in a really big way. We've been creating these really strategic relationships that 
are invested in our success because our success means more of this for them. And I'm just surprised that in my own retail tech experience that there weren't more people, more retail executives that were willing to do this work because this this reciprocal relationship is really exponential. And I think it's something that retail executives should hold themselves accountable to do. Mm, that's huge. Wow. Yeah. It's like, there, there you go again, like doubling down on the relationship. Yeah. It's like yeah. focusing on, let's just let's build a relationship and let's see, let's see what happens if we slow down. Yeah. How else can we support each other in a line besides just I'll buy your tech. And you know, I think that's, that's awesome. It's like slowing down to, to speed back up. So 100%. that's awesome. Um, what does a successful 2023 look like for Snipes? What does a successful 2023 look like for Jenna Flatman Posner? Successful 2023. I mean, obviously we're all sitting here with our targets and goals. Um, huge opportunity for me to migrate Jimmy completely, right? I want to, I want jimmyjazz.com to go away and I want to be able to maintain that value. Don't want to leave any money on the table. Um, so that's a big one for us. Um, we have really aggressive goals for next year. So we have to continue to grow, um, drive the business forward. Um, I want to write a book next year. I want to do that. Yeah, I want to Yeah. So any ideas? Any any kind of angle on the book or well, I just talked about it a little bit. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, I want to write a book. I want to write a book on partnership. Um yeah. I think that there's really something there, something untapped. And having the opportunity to talk about partnership through the retail lens and through the tech lens, I think uh could be interesting. So yeah. Wow. Well, and I also I also think that that your your really cool sports resume is also kind of connected to this. I mean, it seems like you, you value relationships, you value partnerships, you value team. Yeah. I mean, you were field field hockey, track and field, national championship, seven time All American people, three time academic All American. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to yeah. face you don't want to face off against Jenna basically on <laughs> any sport. But did that does does that kind of really inform like a lot of kind of who you are as a leader? Is that experience in, in all those sports? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, you know, and it's funny, I've got this thing I've been thinking about, which is kind of the the rugby theory is what I've been calling it. And, Ooh, okay. you know, I was a I was an, I was a tremendous uh, sprinter in college and my senior year, I went abroad. I went to Australia. My senior fall came back, ran my indoor season. Um, but while I was in Australia, I was there for a World Cup year. I saw this like crazy wow. World Cup rugby. I fell in love with the sport. And my senior spring, I thought, you know what? I just, I've met all my track and field goals. I'm going to piss off my athletic department and I'm going to go play some rugby. Wow. And, and I did. And, you know, my career just kind of picked up really quickly. But the rugby theory concept is I had this one skill and the skill was pace. It was speed. You know, it was this kind of crazy asset that I had on the field. And it kind of gave me the time that I needed in order to learn the game. And it's not so dissimilar from my career path, which was, so squarely on the retail tech side. But when given this opportunity to come over to the retail side, I leveraged those skills that I had to earn the right to learn the game, right? I didn't know what it was gonna take to be a retailer. I knew my gaps in the market with these you know, niche technologies that I was representing for the past decade. I didn't know what it meant to run you know, a multi, multi-million dollar organization you know, through the lens of retail. And um, it, yeah, it, I, I think that rugby theoretically gave me this confidence where I'm like, all right, if I just, if I just get after it, I'll figure it out. So that, that's been a definitely from a team building perspective, from a pace 
perspective um, from taking the time to evaluate performance. Um, I think that all of those skills that I learned through rugby and my athletic career in general definitely translate into leadership and team and how I've built this uh, team of what was 10 people when I came on board to a team of 50 now. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and, and we ain't, we ain't stopping. We ain't slowing down. I have a, no. I have a feeling you're not oh. slowing down. Not a chance. No. Um, well, Jenna, this has been just epic. I knew the time was going to go. I'm like, dang it. We need two hours with Jenna, <laughs> two hours with Jenna next time. Um, but this is so awesome. I mean, so just excited for one, like who you are, like as a marketer, like as a human, I'm just excited about like who you are. And then two, like, what you and the squad are doing at Snipes. And it's just so encouraging to see the things that you're doubling down on. And I know I'm not the only one that'll be paying attention to seeing where this brand goes, but thank you for being on a marketing trends. You dropped the mic today, you killed it. And we loved having you. Thanks, love being here, appreciate it. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.